Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hello, hello. 
I'm going to open up somebody's mic here. We've been having uh, audio difficulties, and I don't think anybody's heard the start of the show. I'm going to open up John Responte's mic. Wait, I could hear him. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, is it Steve? Yeah. All right, good. Now I can hear you. All right, so I'll do the show. I'll, I'll do the intro now. I won't play any of the music. So I don't, uh, Basically, uh, what had happened, the minute I went on the air, I lost all sound. I could not hear anything. So I was trying to play the, the startup music and nothing. Uh, the audio was working on my computer otherwise, but uh, the uh, whole thing was uh, disarrayed. I was able to hang up and call back into the show. So... Uh, Welcome, everybody. This is Oots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twists. And how's everybody doing out there this evening? It is Wednesday, March the 15th, 2017. And we have a special show for you uh, this evening. We have a panel of experts, and we're going to break down the big middleweight championship fight. Saturday evening between Kennedy Triple G Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs pay-per-view event on HBO Boxing. A little later on, we're going to be speaking with a couple of boxers, uh, Joshua Greer Jr. and Ahmed Albiali, who were just successful uh, in their recent fights with some impressive knockouts. That's a little bit later. First, we're going to begin our panel, and uh, we're going to introduce everybody right away. So since we lost uh, a few minutes, we can get started right to it. Uh, first, I'll just introduce everybody, say hello, and then we'll get right to the question. So uh, uh, my first guest, you already heard him, <laughs> former cruiserweight champion, heavyweight contender, one of the biggest names in boxing, and one of the most outspoken names in boxing. Glad to have him on the show tonight, Mr. Steve Cunningham. How you doing tonight, Steve? I'm good, man. Doing all right. All right. Thank you so much. Next, we have... Uh, Man who was a regular on our show for a little while. Glad to have him back. Jeff Bumpus, former boxer, has been in the ring with uh, Greg Haugen, Vinny Pazienza, Julio, Sa- Julio Cesar Chavez. Would fight anybody on a dime and uh, has written a great book talking about his fighting career. Becoming Taz, writing from the Southpaw stance. None other than Mr. Jeff Bumpus. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, Glad to be we're good. I almost had a mini heart attack at the beginning of the show, so uh, <laughs> we uh, we got through that. I could hear a little echo. I think you're listening to the show live, Jeff. If so, can you uh, turn that down? Yeah, Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hearing that. Yeah. But I'll get with you right. in a minute, buddy. Next, we have the chief lead writer of MaxBoxing.com and co-author, along with Dennis Taylor, of Intimate Warfare, the true story of the Arturo Gatti-Mickey Ward trilogy, which is uh, climbing up the charts on Amazon and everywhere else. Mr. John J. Responte, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing great, Sue. How are you doing out there in New York? I'm doing good. Uh, just had to overcome uh, some uh, adversity here, and uh, I, I think it's my on my end with my computer, so I can't even blame Block Talk on this one. But this is the second time in a row where I started up the show and I had no audio, but I think I solved the problem. So, John, we'll be talking to you soon. And, of course, uh, last but certainly not least, one of my favorite fighters of all time, also a world-class trainer, how this man is not in a Boxing Hall of Fame makes the Boxing Hall of Fame just not the same. I'm talking to 
one other than the former light heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Eddie Mustafa Muhammad. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. You have a great panel out there tonight. I try. I try, Eddie. Thank you so much uh, for the compliment. And we'll start with you, uh, Eddie, and uh, talk a little bit about your experience in a fight of this nature. You have fought in... uh, uh, form, you know, for unification titles, you fought Michael Spinks. You've defended the championship title on uh, many occasions as as Triple G and Mr. Jacobs. Uh, talk a little bit about a, a fight of this nature. Arguably, both fighters are facing the best opponent they ever faced in their lives. How does that add to the preparation? Uh, the, the pressure is on now. How do the fighters handle it? Well, listen. First and foremost, this is not their first rodeo. You know what I'm saying? They defended their titles uh, successfully. Now they're going face each other. You got two of the top middleweights in the world. You know, both of them claiming to be world champion. So now they, they're fighting on the biggest stage. If, not, if I'm not mistaken, it's Madison Square Garden. You can't get no bigger than that. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So a little, a little bit of pressure is on Danny because the, the New York is Danny's home. So it's just a little bit of pressure on him. You know, I'm picking Danny Jacobs by uh, so, uh, an upset, in an upset. Because, like I said, he's been in there with some great fighters, whereas the odds were not in his favor. But at the end of the day, he came through. He only had right, one right. setback that that was with uh, Pierog, and listen, he got caught. Didn't rec- he couldn't recuperate, and then at the end of the day, they found out that you know he had cancer. Right. So, right. I mean, hey, I mean, you gotta take your hat off to a guy that beat cancer. Right. And right. You gotta give him an excellent opportunity in this next fight. All right. Thank you for that. We're going to go to John uh, Responte next because I know John is pressed for time and we started late. So, uh, John, different question for you. Uh, The magnitude, the buildup to this fight amongst boxing circles, it's enormous. We often talk about promotions leading up to it. I actually have seen a couple of articles in the local New York newspapers leading up to this one. Obviously, uh, uh, Danny being a, a New Yorker and a great story and a big high profile fight, but is the promotion worthy of a big pay-per-view event? Do you think uh, the, the promotions did enough to get uh, the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view buys they want for this? I have a feeling the arena is going to be packed, but what about the promotion uh, for the casual fan? How, how did you see it? I basically thought it was only so-so, to be honest. It always surprises me, maybe because I'm so damn old now that I remember how the promotions used to be so much better, it seemed like, back in the 70s and 80s. You'd see see a commercial, you'd you'd hear spots on the radio. There there just seemed to be more uh, advertising, and maybe it's because boxing was more popular in those days, but there's no point just throwing in the towel and and kind of give it up, and, and HBO could have did a, did a little bit more, I believe. They could have, like I said, they could have ran some radio spots. Maybe they have, but I certainly haven't heard them. They could have ran some things on in, the Internet more that wasn't so limited to just boxing people, you know, but uh, they, they they made the decision not to. And, you know, and, and i got to say, and I'm going to say a little later because the show has technical problems, Zoot. 
Uh, I wanted to say this, though, you know, what Eddie was saying. You know, Danny Jacobs has done something I think that was really wise, is that he got away from New York. You know, he's been here in Northern California training for a while, and he, and it's, he's certainly feeling the pressure, like Eddie said. But I think getting away has really allowed him to focus. I mean, I went to media day, and he was in a good mood, obviously. He's a really super guy, a really nice guy. But he seemed very uh, focused. And this was a few weeks ago and ready to go. So uh, I just think that was very wise of him. In other words, he's giving himself the best shot he can of winning. And I, and I like that. I think, you know, it's the most important fight of his career, I believe. And uh, that's the smartest thing you can do, I think, as an athlete, is make sure that when you're in the biggest fight of your life, you give yourself every chance to, to win the fight. And I, I think he's done that. So that was very wise of him. All righty, thank you for that. Now, next, uh, Jeff Bumpus. Jeff, Eddie uh, spoke about the, the pressure for uh, Danny, but I think the pressure is uh, big time for Triple G as well because he has obviously a tremendous fan base, but he's also faced a lot of critics, especially with his last fight, fighting Kell Brook, a, a welterweight, a lot of people saying, yeah, all right, where do you rank him? But until he fights uh, the really big names, what you know, we have to be a little careful about this. Some people have been so bold to say he hasn't fought anybody. And uh, this, by most people's standards, is a step up. If he happens to lose, all the Triple G haters will just say, see, I told you, he was just ordinary. He finally stepped up, and, and he got. So there's pressure there as well, is there not, Jeff Bumpus? Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of pressure, but it's, uh, it's not like the guy has not been on the world stage uh, pretty much his entire career when he wasn't uh, a contender or a world champion he was on the uh russian national team he was he, he was high, high he's been high profile pretty much his whole career i guess you could say so amateur and pro so i i don't think that he's unfamiliar with dealing with pressure i just think that uh, uh we try to figure out something that we can attach to him and he seems to brush it off every time. Uh, Kel Brook was, uh, you know, is an excellent fighter, but but he was just a welterweight, and and you know we can go on and on about his lack of competition. But I seem to remember at some point, uh, some people said, well, you know, who, really, who's who's the real challenger for Marvin Hagler? You know, who is who is capable of stepping up and and really challenging him? You know, well, we won't find out what he's made of until he finds somebody that, you know, is capable of, of challenging him. I, I remember that kind of talk. And right, right. the only thing, the only thing that we can ask of him is that, uh, uh, it, the, that you can ask of any fighter is you step in there, you do your best. And if you do your best and come out on top, you, you were good enough tonight. And then right, I don't right. know what else anybody else wants from him. You know, uh, it, the, this, this fight, I, I, you, you mentioned a promotion earlier. I, I have yet to figure out why uh, good matchups are are getting passed over. I guess you could say the, the, the things that we should be going. Oh wow, you know this is really great. I can't wait to see this. Are are kind of getting the ho hum sort of treatment. And mm-hmm. this this could be this could this could be fight of the year because you know. <laughs> Jacobs is, as uh, Eddie said, has uh, already beaten cancer. You know, he he's not afraid of anything now. now right. what, what what is there to be afraid of after that? So 
he's going to go for it. He's going to lay it all on the line, and that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, uh, fight that you see out of uh, that creates a a, a gaudy war, intimate warfare. You know, uh, it, it creates that kind of opportunity where you have two people willing to push each other beyond what normal human beings are willing to do. That that's a that's a great setup. Right. I don't know why this hasn't been pushed more. I'm kind of disgusted by that whole thing, but, you know, that was somebody else's question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. feel free to chime in. We've got to get everybody on. So uh, I have my thoughts on that. I'll add to that later. Uh, Steve Cunningham, another fighter, no stranger to big championship fights, unification fights. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the punching power of both of these guys. Both of these fighters have great knockout percentages. I think the biggest surprise would be if the fight goes the distance, not who wins. Uh, to me, it's, uh, Golovkin seems to be more like a, a bludgeoning puncher, uh, where Danny has legitimate one-punch knockout power and he could turn a fight on a dime. Talk a little bit about how you see both of these fighters punching power, and talk about when you face big punches, the different dynamics, the different kinds of punches, you know, the one-punch knockout guy or the guy who just keeps uh, pounding on you with thudding power that hurts every time but is not going to put you down but is going to bust you up, as we've seen Triple G bust up so many people. Talk a little bit about that, if you can, uh, Steve. I mean, you, um, you're totally right with um, your description of both fighters. Uh, Jacobs, Jacobs has that sharp, crisp, fast, you know, one-punch power that'll put, you, that'll put guys out, that have put guys out. And Triple G, he bludgeons guys. You know, he beats them. We were just speaking of this the other day. And he'll, he'll wear you down and beat you down, beat you up, make your insides hurt, <laughs> you know. And, and then, you know, you get hit with another one. Then it's like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to just stay here. You know, I'm, I'm down. And uh, it's uh, when it comes to power, <clears throat> you know, and, and with guys that I face, you have guys like, you know, Amir Mansoor, who uh, I face, massive power puncher. Uh, he knocked me down twice in our fight. Um, you know, I got up to weather the storm, but... Mm-hmm. I, I knew, man, like, wow, that type of power right there is, I don't want to get caught with that again. <laughs> you know, um, it's, it, it, his power, it's, it, it was immaculate. You know, um, I got hit with, uh, you know, by Adamic. Adamic put me down a few times in our first fight. Um, his power was sharp. He had that, that crisp, sharp power that just, boom, hit the button, and, you know, I was down. Um, uh, and, and that type of power you can you can you can get you know certain guys can get through that you know that you know it's not the power that keep you down but is the power that easily sway a fight you know for that guy you know it's like well hey you know this guy he put him down three times man I can't argue him winning that you know so with with this Triple G and Danny Jacobs fight <clears throat> um I'm, I mean Danny Jacobs I'm rooting for Danny Jacobs no doubt I'm 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 pulling for Danny Jacobs um it's hard to Vote against the miracle man, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Uh, this man beat cancer. Uh, you know the way he stopped Pete Quillen. Um, you know, and then the work after they did with Sergio Moore. I mean, you know, and people can discredit Sergio Moore. He's this, he's that. That guy, his name was the snake for a reason. He's a tricky fighter. You know. Yes. Um, yes. Very tricky. So um, for Jacobs to get him out of the way he did in, this, in their rematch, that was that was great. Now you have. Um, 
what Jacobs, what I believe Jacobs needs to do in order to get to receive a victory is I don't think he needs to go punch for punch, power, I mean power for power with Triple G. I think he needs to go in there and utilize his boxing ability with power punches, not go in there and power punch and then box when you get in trouble, <laughs> you know. Um, right, so right. I'm hoping I'm hoping that's their game plan. Uh, but then you have Triple G, who um, he isn't a stationary guy. He is a, he is a mobile. He's a he's a darn gold medalist, you know, um, Olympian. So I mean, we 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 do complain. There are a lot of guys, and I'm a boxing fan before I'm a fighter. So you know, I've looked at the guys he's fought and said, wow, you know, Triple G needs to. I would like to see him step it up also, you know. Um, but then you you have the business side of boxing right there. You know they know this kid is is daggone good. He's a gold medalist, um, and he gets these guys out that he's fighting in a great fashion. So it's good for the fans. It's got the fans hyped. This dude is a uh, he's a monster. He's a machine. And now now is the time to we see everybody can is he, everybody's going to either shut up or congratulate Triple G. You know, hey man, good right. job. You fought pop tier champion and you handled him or. Hey, you know, yeah, man, he's been fighting soft touches or, you know, guys he shouldn't have been fighting and all right, you know. So we'll see. You know, that's the good thing about boxing. We will see Saturday. Right. Well, Steve, uh, quick follow-up question. Uh, pick your poison. What kind of fighter would you rather be in there against, the bludgeoning kind of guy that we described with Triple G or the, the lightning quick uh, guy, the one-punch guy like Jacobs? For, for you, who would you rather uh, face me, me, I'd rather face the, the bludgeoning guy because myself personally, I, I get better as the rounds go on. You know, um, I'm one of them guys. I get better as, you know, by fourth, fifth round, I'm, I'm, I'm on fire. You know, sixth, seventh round, I'm, you know, hey, it's, it's good. You know, I'm, 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 comf- I'm super duper comfortable. Whatever you're ready to throw, I can, I can eat it and dish out. So uh, with, the, with the sharp punching, uh, you know, power punching guy, you, you always run the risk of, man, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, boom, and then, you know, you're caught, you're down, you know, that guy's always dangerous, he's always very dangerous, but uh, the bludgeoning guy, you can kind of, you can, you can kind of outbox him and wear him down also and take away some of his steam, you can take away the steam from all punchers, you know, but the uh, bludgeoning right, guy, right. I like to deal with, I like to deal with him much more so than the sharper, sharper guy. All right, thank you for that. Now we're going to move back to Eddie. Eddie, I want you to put your trainer's hat on now. And if you were in the corner of Jacobs, what advice would you give him? What would be your game plan to fight Triple G? And if you were in Triple G's corner, what advice would you give him uh, facing Jacobs? Uh, First and foremost, you have to realize one thing that, you know, we forgot to mention. Daddy Jacobs has that leverage. He's going to keep him. I'm in Daddy Jacob's corner, and I will tell him, listen, champ, we're going to keep him on the end of the jab and keep him turning. Evidently, he's going to open up to that punch of power because he's going to, he's got one style, Triple G. That's straightforward without moving his head. You know, Danny is a sharpshooter. He reminds me of a Bob Foster. Guys like that, Tommy Hearns, to keep you mm-hmm. on the end of your mm-hmm. jab. And like I said, the key word is leverage. Danny Jacob has that leverage because he can keep Triple G at the end of his punches. 
And Triple G, mm. in order for him to win, in my opinion, he has to apply immense pressure, moving his head, and give me a little jab uh, here and there, double or triple your jab with the head movement. You know, then you get in, then you apply those hard body shots and try to break Danny down, hit him on the arms, hit him in the muscles until his arms are dropped. Then you hit him in the head and take him out. All right, good advice there. Maybe uh, both are listening, so we'll see. We'll get back to you in a few, Eddie. Good stuff there. Uh, John, uh, as we're talking about trainers, Triple G has been with Abel Sanchez for quite some time, uh, and I've talked to Abel on a number of occasions on this show. haven't had a chance to talk talk about this fight, but plan on it once the fight is over. But uh, talk about – you've covered a lot of fighters, talked to a lot of trainers, talked to – you know, when in the fight, before the fight, what have you – uh, Jacobs has not had that benefit uh, uh, of being with one guy for so long. Talk a little bit about that dynamic. Uh, is that a big advantage for Triple G going in, being with Abel Sanchez for, for so long, based on the, the fighters you've covered and the articles that you've uh, written? Well, it's an advantage because he knows his fighters so well. You know, he's, he trains him, he lives with him, basically, and it, this is something Eddie could have spoke about really well, too, I'm sure, is that uh, better than me, is the sense that he... He knows him. He sees things that the, that the average person won't see. You know, if he's if if he's if he's dropping his left, which is basic, but if he's doing something that that even the fighter doesn't realize, a trainer who knows him really well will 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 pick that up and tell him, like, you know, you need to do this or you need to change here or you need to adapt here. Uh, so that that's a little bit of an advantage, yes. But I don't know if it's a big big advantage, Zoot. Maybe a little. I mean, I the, the guys that I've w- watched and written about so much are Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward. Now they've known each other since Andre was a little boy. So there's a real close like father and son relationship between uh, them. And and Virgil really gets on Andre sometimes. I mean, I've seen him during training camp get very stern and actually try to make him annoy Andre. And it was very interesting to watch. And he did, he he got under his skin a little bit, but Andre worked harder. So he knows what he's doing. So there's that, you know, there's the little things that the psychological things that a trainer knows about a fighter that a lot of people don't know what, what you need to say to him right at the time to get him, you know, or maybe, maybe he he had a bad round. You you need to pick him up a little bit and a fighter, you know, you know what to say. Because you know, we're, the fighters are human beings. We're all different. Now, human, we're, the fighters are all different. So, what works for one won't work for another. So, uh, it's a, a fascinating relationship between the trainer and the fighter. It, it's close. And uh, back to your circling back to your 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 question, I think it it does help. Uh, but uh, still, he has to face the guy in front of him, and the trainer can't help him exactly with that. You know, he still has to execute and do what he has to do, or he'll lose. So. Uh, it's one of those intangibles. It's always nice to have a little advantage. And Abel Sanchez is a very good trainer, so uh, that's good. But uh, Danny Jacobs' trainer is a, a good trainer too, Roger. He's a, he knows his stuff. He's been around a long time too. So uh, maybe a little advantage to Gennady Golovkin and, and Abel Sanchez, but I, I don't. I don't. I think it's very marginal. I'm sorry. I had another. Uh malfunction there, but I think I'm back on the air. So this question is from Mr. Bumpus. Uh, those who are in the Triple G corner, at least those bold enough to put uh, some money on Triple G, are, are, are pointing to the fact of Danny Jacobs' chin. Uh, obviously, his one loss was a knockout loss. 
was dropped by Sergio Mora and everybody who's faced Triple G has talked about his immense power. So that that, that alludes to a lot of what we've already been hearing, how he has to keep uh, distance, work off the jab, use the boxing skills. But uh, how do you, you know, Jeff, you've fought them all. You've fought uh, on, you know, hours notice sometimes with many injuries. And you, you pretty much know what kind of guy you're going in there against. And you face probably one of the most punishing punches of all time, Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, is there any way that you could mentally prepare yourself uh, where you are ready to absorb the punches a little better. Obviously, you have to be in great physical shape, but what can you do mentally going in, knowing that, and knowing that, yes, you have been hurt and stopped in fights before. Uh, how is that whole mental dynamic working for uh, Mr. Jacobs, in your opinion? Actually, I, I think that that uh, uh, you can uh, make yourself believe in the whole uh, uh, feel no pain, uh, uh, accept no, you know, accept no pain thing, I, I I think that he can get himself very ready in that in that regard. That that that's not that's a, that's just a fighter. To, to, in, in my opinion, that's that's just any fighter willing to go in there and and fight the best. You you just ex- accept that this is this is not always going to be comfortable. You know the. You, Fighters have nerve endings in their faces too, and it's just going to be uh, a certain way. And you're not going to fold, no matter no matter what. You're going to keep moving forward. That's you know that's just a fighter's mentality. I I I've always thought everybody you know all fighters were like that. Uh, certainly doesn't appear that way on television sometimes when somebody just, you know, goes down and it didn't look like they got caught that hard, but it's, it's, it's easy to say from, from outside the, outside the ropes. Uh, I think that when somebody with the Lobkins power uh, nails you and you want to, you're trying to avoid, you're thinking about, uh, I, I can't. I can't let the KO. I can't be KO'd. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be knocked out. If you let that kind of of negativity in, and you're not thinking about the attack, you're thinking about the the retreat. You know, I just don't. I just don't think that somebody like Jacobs is going to be like that. He 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 he's thinking about winning the fight. He's not. He's not thinking about ways uh, to keep from being injured or or keep from being knocked out. Uh, if, if he if he let that in at this stage of his career, I, I don't think he would have made it as far as he has. Right, right. I mean, you mentioned Marvin Hagler before, and I always remember, and everybody knows he's my favorite of all time, that uh, he, he would just, you know, he would have this mentality like no matter what I get hit with, it's not going to hurt. Obviously, it's got to be more to it than that, but that mental aspect of it was there for him. So, uh, you know, you know, that's why I, I'm wondering with that because you know of the mythic uh, power uh, stories that we hear from Triple G, which is obviously true if you <laughs> you look at all of the opponents he's faced. Uh, uh, but that, that brings me to my next question uh, for for Steve and, and Eddie and you, Jeff, can get in on this as well uh, if you want. Uh, some people, and when I say people, oh, I've only seen fans on social media. I haven't seen anything substantial, so maybe I shouldn't even bring it up, but I will. 
in terms of Triple G is, uh, you know, loading his gloves or, or doing something not so on the up and up to enhance his power. Have you ever heard anything legitimate on that aspect of it, uh, Stephen? If you were somebody who was preparing to fight him or uh, handling somebody that was going to fight him, uh, how would you uh, approach it in terms of being, uh, you know, wary of it? Would you uh, make a big deal of it? Make sure it's not happening. I mean, uh, I'm sure that this has been accusations of other fighters in the past, but uh, with Triple G, I mean, uh, you know, they throw everything at him. But what would you yeah. what would you say to that? I mean, just you know, during the the normal course of uh, getting prepared for a fight, you know, um, in the locker room, you know. You can have your trainer go watch them rap, you know, um, put the gloves on and all that. You can inspect the gloves. You can do all that. So, you know, you can check. And then and then you have the New York State Athletic Commission. They're one of the stricter commissions, you know, with them in Las Vegas. So uh, I've heard, you know, innuendo, uh, you know, Triple G's doing this. He probably is doing this, probably doing that, you know, because everyone's trying to – a lot of people are trying to put their thumb on this power, <laughs> you know, on his power, you know, his bludgeoning power because he beats guys up. But, um, you know, I believe what I, what I believe, you know, I, now don't get me, don't get me wrong, you know, cause I fought and I know I fought guys, you know, doing illegal things on drugs. I mean, Tarver failed the test, <laughs> you know, but I also know other guys who were using that didn't fail the test. So I don't put anything past anyone, but triple G hasn't had any failed tests. He hasn't had, you know, anything. And, What's been also great is the Jacobs team hasn't put that stuff out, you know. So right, right. we haven't heard anything from the Jacobs team. So that's that's good, you know. Um, but I do know Jacobs guys and Jacobs, and, and you know, of course they're gonna, you know, keep it on the up and up. They're gonna send the guy in there and watch him get his hands wrapped, you know. Of course, uh, same thing with uh, you know brother Nazim. He's my trainer. There, there was no innuendo about Tito Trinidad wearing loaded uh, wraps or margarita, you know. Right. So. But but they got caught. So uh, because you have proper guys looking and hey hey what's this what's that? So you know just in checks you can find something. You know so most of the time with these innuendos it's just people putting stuff out there trying to you know trying to throw salt in the game or figure it out. But as long as we didn't hear it from the Jacobs camp, you know what I mean it's cool. But uh, I mean it, 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 you know there are things that fighters fighters are doing that are issues and you know I I have trust in the State Athletic Commission of New York. And um, you know, believe they're doing what's right. You know, make sure everything's on the up and up. All right, thank you for that, Eddie. Do you have any comment on this? Because uh, I mean, as far as I know, it's uh, speculation by people from the outside, not people in boxing. But I have uh, some really uh, great inside experts, so I want to hear what you have to say. Well, based based on what Steve said about the integrity of the New York State Athletic Commission, they're going to be on. Both crews, like Scotland Yard, I mean, they're going to sit there and watch them wrap, inspect mm-hmm. the gloves, and do all their due diligence. I have a very high emotion for the New York State Athletic Commission. So they're going to do their job because the spotlight is going to be on them come fight time. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good stuff there, uh, Eddie. I'm going to stick with you. I have another uh, question. A lot has been made about this fight not having a, a rematch clause. Uh, would you have pressed for one if you were on either side of you were handling uh, 
either fighter and how uh common was rematch clauses back when you fought were, were they i know you had an issue with a rematch with michael spinks but the rematch clauses in the contract before the fight was that something that occurred during your day well it, it was around during my day but you have to remember one thing when i fought i i had 40 knockouts there weren't too many guys that wanted a rematch clause you know what i'm saying <laughs> right. i would go in yeah. there and handle my business and you know, I got to take my hat off to Michael. You know, Michael knew the first time we fought, he beat me fair and square because I had a uh, problem with the weight. The second time, I was ready. You know, I got myself into excellent condition, and he knew it because his trainer, the late Eddie Fudge, saw me during the workout. I let him come in because I told him. I said, you can have a seat because – you're not going to feel this pain. Michael's going to feel this pain. And I knocked out a heavyweight with the big gloves on. So I was ready. And, you know, Eddie Fletch, believe me, he was no fool. He just told Michael, if I'm you, I'm pulling out, buddy. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> All righty. Good story there. And uh, 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 Jeff, I mean, uh, you were a kind of guy that uh, was uh, kind of like, you know, you, you took any fight that, that was coming to you. Was rematch clauses any anything you ever had the luxury to worry about? <laughs> no, no, I was pretty lucky to, uh, to get the fights that I was getting. So I, I, I never heard anything about rematch clauses other than, you know, we discuss after the fight, we look at each other and say, okay, well, let's do this again, you know, but that, that, that hardly, that hardly constitutes a rematch clause. Uh, if, if I could go back to the uh, question of loaded gloves that you were talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, yeah, sure. The, the, the thing, the thing is, uh, and I would imagine as Eddie said, uh, a lot of his had the urge to ask about his, you know, to check his gloves. Uh, the thing is, um, God or nature or whoever you, you believe in these things give certain people this horrifying punching power that seems to come right through the gloves. I mean, the knuckles seem to come right through the gloves. doesn't matter if it's 8, 10, 12. It doesn't matter what the glove. It seems like they come right through. Ask anybody who fought Roberto Duran. Ask anybody who fought Julio Cesar Chavez. It feels like they're hitting. This is the same thing that we're seeing with Golovkin. Oh, he has to, his gloves have to be loaded, have to be loaded. It has to be their hand wraps. It has to be something. He, he, there are just certain people whose hands come right through the gloves, and he's one of them. And that's the reason that uh, people seem to, uh, people seem to find the floor and stay with it sometimes. You know, it looks like they might be able to continue, but uh, the body shots, is hey, no, it's just not worth it, you know. Uh I, I, I hate to disparage people, and I understand their their uh, I understand their need to. Uh, we're fighters, and we need to have a reason that this happened that 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 we that we're that we got beat. Because how could you go back in there and believe that you're the best and you can win this if there isn't a reason this happened? So you know you you, you have to pardon people, you have to pardon fighters, because that's that's how. That's the best way to deal with it. You know, we, okay, this happened. This is the why it happened. This is okay. We're, it's not going to happen again. We're going to move on. So, as far as the question about his his hands, that only tells you that he belongs in that rare class of Roberto Duran or or Chavez or or Eddie. 
whose hands come right through the gloves and everything just seems to, you feel each and every individual knuckle. That, that's just, that, that's just a special gift and you can't teach it. You can teach proper leverage and distribution and, and shift weight and power and drop into it. You can teach all that, but it doesn't give you that bone breaking power that seems to come right to the gloves and everybody screams, you know, doctor gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, well, that's just mine. for you, for you, Jeff, uh, was Chavez far and above anybody else you faced? Because you faced a lot of people yeah. in that. Was he yeah. clearly the hardest? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the only time that I, the only time that I ever took time off to, from work to train for a fight, because you know, had bills to pay, you know, and the only time I ever took time, and 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 God bless my boss, uh, Bill Robinson, who said, take the time. You know, just take a couple weeks. It, it's all it, you'll you'll never regret it if you just go ahead and give it everything you got. So I took all that time and I I was in incredible shape. And if I hadn't been in incredible shape, the first thing he hit me with would have torn. You know, I, I would have been done. But to my my conditioning, I was able to fight through this. And uh, his, his knuckles seemed to come to the gloves. That's the same thing. That's the same thing with Golovkin, uh, Roberto Duran. You know, they they say. <laughs> It's sparring. Uh, I, I know people that have sparred with him, and they they say, you know, uh, they wanted to see us. They wanted to see what was in those. You know, was there a horseshoe in there or what? You know, because they, they, <laughs> there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason that this hurts. That I can feel is those gloves aren't the same padding as mine. Why do Why do I have, you know, twelve ounces and he has six? You know. <laughs> right, right, right. It's it's a gift. All right, thank, 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 thanks for that. I, was, I wanted to get to you on that, but uh, I, I lost track. So good thing you, you backtracked on that. Good stuff there. Uh, John Responte had to leave, but uh, he texted me his uh, prediction. We won't reveal that yet. Uh, we'll get uh, a couple more questions for you, gentlemen, before we give our official predictions. Uh, the, this one is for everybody. I'll go around the horn on this one. In, in, in terms of uh, fight, uh, middleweight championship fight, unification fight, Obviously, a lot more belts to go around today than yesteryear, but still a legitimate unification fight where the winner is going to be the top dog in the middleweight division. No question, if there is a clear winner, by the way. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, too. But uh, in terms of middleweight championship fights of the past and champions of the of the past, uh, where does this stack up? And, and I mean, it, a lot of people are be, even before the fight started. You know, guys in my day were much better. We always hear that kind of stuff. But uh, in terms of the history of the middleweight division, as three gentlemen here I know are very uh, well informed about this, uh, where does this fight stack up with some of the great uh, championship fights in uh, middleweight history? Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. <laughs> My thoughts on this is, I mean, like like all fights. I mean, you know, we just had the Danny Jake, I mean, the Danny Garcia uh, Thurman fight, and me personally, I loved the fight. You know, I thought it was great. A lot of people didn't like it, you know, because they wanted they wanted them to go bang all twelve rounds, like they you know kind of did the first round, and I thought it was very intelligent in what Thurman did. So, you know, the way he boxed and fought when he wanted to. So, uh, you can't really tell how this fight stacks up. I mean, the hype, we can go on the hype. And, I mean, the hype, even the hype doesn't, the hype, I, you know, you got Sugar Ray Hearns, Hagler, 
those fights were, I mean, universal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If if there were fight fans on Mars, they heard about that. You know, so um, this right, fight, right. you know, I put it. I, I wouldn't put it up there just yet because it's got. You know, we've got to see it and see the action. <clears throat> you know, um, Danny Jacobs hasn't done what a Hearns has done yet. You know, in my eyes, uh, Triple G hasn't done what a Sugar Ray Leonard has done yet. You know, in my eyes, in order for it to be on that scale of a fight. Now, when they get in there and they go at it, and we see, oh, whoa, these dudes ain't playing, then we're like, oh, this, this, then we can place it properly, you know. But, uh, you know, until then, man, I, I, I make those type of assessments after I view the action and see the intelligence in the ring and, and see how bad these guys wanted it. Because, I mean, they're human beings, man. You know, one of these guys could get caught one of them big shots and be in a spot they've never been in before and, and fold. Or, or step up, you know, we see the champion come out. So we're hoping we see the champs come out. <laughs> All right, good stuff there. Uh, Eddie, uh, your turn now. Okay, first and foremost, the media did not give this fight enough credence to place it among the top two guys in the division. You know, and it's a shame because now we have Facebook, we have uh Twitter, we have everything, but they it wasn't used to the advantage of the promotion. Imagine if Muhammad Ali was fighting Joe Frazier the first fight, and we had Twitter and Facebook. I mean, you oh, like, it, it was just that's what I'm saying. The media did not play up to this here. I don't know why. You know, it's in the biggest arena you can possibly get into. This is the mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden, where some of the greatest fights of all times, you know, was was held there. But they didn't play it up like that, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah, just the way it is. Yeah, and uh, as far as the HBO side of it, their promotion was poor. Uh, I just think it's uh, their, their, their budget has... Uh, have been depleted compared to what they used to, but uh, you're right in terms of uh, the rest of the media, certainly not as much, but uh, Jeff Bumpus, you're a guy boxing junkie, watch it all the time. It's why you started doing this thing because of uh, what you saw on television. You make that very clear in your book. Uh, in terms of like the Carlos Monzones or those kinds of fights, fights that you were anticipating going in, where does this fight stack up? Well, it could be <laughs> it could be just absolutely incredible. It could be one we're going to talk about, uh, like we talk about Hagler and Hearns comes r- uh, right off the bat. You know, comes comes to mind. It could be it could be all those things. It could be Leonard and Hearns, where you know you, you have shifts and momentum and things like that, as as, as uh, Steve was saying. But what it comes down to is two separate people and how far are you willing to go? You know, how, how, how much are you willing to extend yourself to win this thing? If you are willing to, uh, go to Gotti and Ward <laughs> proportions to, if you, if you're willing to go that far, you're willing to get hurt, fight back through it, Hurts, you know, hurts this guy, hurts this guy in return. Chest is well 
push him, see how far you can go. Gosh, this could be this could they, they could talk about this one the same breath with Hagler and Hearns and and you know Dale and Graziano and anybody else you could name. This, this could mm-hmm. be huge. It could be because you've got the you've got the explosive power. You could easily see both of these guys on the floor before the end of the fight. It could it could right. be the it could be the fight of the decade. It all depends on these two. As Steve said, you, you know, you wait and see. Uh, because that's what we're all we're all doing. We're waiting and seeing uh, for the next Guardian Ward for, for the for the next Fraser Ali. We're we're all sitting here waiting for this. That's that's what fight fans do because we we love we love the 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 drama of it, the you know the tension of it. This could right, be, right. this has all this has all the elements. Both guys are capable of hurting each other. Both guys are good boxers. Both guys have, have have classic, you know, uh, uh, boxing skills. So it could it could it could turn into a chess match. Uh, you you hope it doesn't. As an average boxing fans hope it doesn't. And as as uh, uh, Steve said earlier, you had last week's bout with Thurman and Garcia, and people were too, people were disappointed because it was it was a chess match at times. Um, you you have you have to be awake. To win the fight. That's that's something some people don't realize. If you just go in there and stick your chin out and throw for the fences, you're probably going to be sleeping. You know, right? So right. It, it it has it, it has all the elements though. You have two huge willpowers, obviously, because one of them beat cancer, and and the other one fought his way out of Russia and and, and got here and is undefeated. A world champion. Right. So, uh, gosh, this this could be this could be huge. You know, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, I can't figure out why the pay per view hasn't just been going nuts. Because I guess they figure, well, you know, they they haven't had any big fights as of yet. They haven't captured the public's imagination. It could be done very easily. Right. Right. Very easily. All right. Good stuff there. So one more question for the three before we get to the official predictions. And I'll stay with you on this one, Jeff. Uh, you know, we've talked about this fight taking place in Madison Square Garden uh, a couple of times already. The, the the mecca of boxing, if you will. The history is there. The mystique, the building. Uh, I've been inside Madison Square Garden when it's been packed for boxing, and it's been amazing. What is What was the most memorable arena that you have fought in? Over your, and that's the question for all three. I'll get to all three of you. Jeff, you go first. Oh, the Olympic Auditorium. The, in, a, in a heartbeat, the Olympic Auditorium. I walked in, and it was uh, – uh, you could you could immediately feel that the, the, the upper balcony. You could look at people in the upper balcony and facially you know, distinguish them. Sometimes you look out at, at crowds. And you know, especially the casinos and stuff like that, it's just one big, you know, it's one one big blob, and you can't really get a feel. But I could look up and pick out people on the second uh, upper level there, and <laughs> I like to freeze people into their seats because uh, he's staring. You know, they, they're so you can see them saying, "He's looking at me. He's looking at me." <laughs> and and uh, uh, just just knowing, just knowing where you were at, it wasn't just the tragedies in that particular building it was it was all of those world title fights the entire the entire uh, uh, lower all lower weight classes 
in, in we're all gathered in, in L.A. because you know the, if you were a lighter weight fighter, the West Coast was the place to go, and look around this place and and see all the ghosts. You know, Danny Lopez fought here. You know, Sanchez fought here. I, I, I'm fighting. I'm fighting one of the best lightweights ever here tonight. You know, it, it's not even a contest. It was definitely the Olympic. All righty, thank you uh, for that one. And uh, Steve Cunningham, that's that question is for you now. Yeah, um, you know, I, I fought at the Garden three times. Uh, fought Fury there. That was a great experience. That was, and that was at the uh, Broadway side of the Garden. Uh, but my 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 best biggest experience was in in Bielefeld, Germany, when I um when I stopped Marco Huck in the twelfth round. Um, that in the, in that arena, oh my goodness, man, it was it was over overflowing with with people. And I mean, but you know, none of them were there for me, <laughs> you know. So uh, I, I totally—it's the most <laughs> memorable. It's the most memorable experience for a few reasons. One is, like I said, there was there was no one there for me. There was just—I um, had my wife, who was my manager, and I had a—I had another guy that we had met in Germany. There, they were the only ones really in the audience rooting for me, and it was so quiet. You could hear a pin drop when I was, you know, tagging him up, and then. He throw a punch and miss, and they go crazy. Oh, you know. Um, right, right, but, uh, right. But but then also the victory and beating him in that home in in his hometown stadium, uh, in Bielefeld, Germany. And you know, I, I jumped up on the edge of the ring and on the edge of the corner after I stopped after they threw the towel in in the twelfth. And you know, the people were whistling and blowing, and and I I was like, oh, they love me. And I won them over, and we found out that when they whistle. And blow it, it's them booing you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's one of the most memorable, man. I mean, it was just a great experience all over the board because everybody had written me off, you know. Um, that was my first title defense um, after winning the title in Poland. And, you know, they're like, man, you know. And even, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a rough fight. I knew it was going to be a rough fight. I saw him beat Batam Tokarev before that fight, and he trashed him. And I'm like, man, here it is. I'm mm-hmm. going back into the lion's den. All the American media written me off, but, uh, you know, we pulled it out, man. Big time. All right. Great story there. Eddie Mohammed, up, you're up next. You fought everywhere all over the world as well. So I'm interested oh. to hear your answer. <laughs> well, you know, I've been blessed to fight, like you said, all over the world in some of the greatest arenas that's ever been built. You know, I've fought in Madison Square Garden. Even as a golden glover, you know, the garden Hold twenty thousand. I don't know right, how they right. fit twenty one thousand in, but we mm-hmm. did it, and that was a golden gloves. And right, I, I right. A few main events, and then you know, Philadelphia basically was my second home. Me mm-hmm. and Betty Briscoe sold out the Spectrum. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and they I, to this day, people I would walk through Philadelphia, and they would always remind me, man, I was there when you fought Betty Briscoe. And I said, really, I was there too. You know, it was a great <laughs> fight, great, great fight. Me and Benny, we we had the fans on their feet for the whole ten rounds. And then again, I fought at the Olympic Auditorium. You know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was like, you know, I, I I had to watch out for the beer that was coming out from the stands, but it was cool. <laughs> I went over there, did what I had to do, took care of business. I fought the European champion, and I stopped him in uh, I think it was. 
two or three rounds. So I did that. Mm. But, I, you know, I had a great time and a great career. You certainly did. And uh, you're having a great career as a trainer, too, and we'll get to that uh, after your prediction. But uh, uh, without further ado, we're going to go around the horn and uh, give our predictions. John Responte uh, uh, has given a prediction of a, a six-round TKO for Triple G. He, he texted me that uh, Jacobs will get off to a, a fast start but will not be able to maintain it. Uh, we'll start with you, Eddie, since you already kind of revealed who you were predicting already. But uh, – uh, give as in-depth a description as you can. Uh, you said you like Jacobs. How? how? How is he going to win this fight? What will be the final outcome? He has to win the fight by keeping Triple G in the middle of the ring and keeping him turning because Triple G likes to come straight forward. And if you go side to side with a great jab, keep him on the end of your punches. Let me tell you something. Daddy can pull the upset. You know, listen... Nobody's unbeatable except Floyd. You know, he proved that. But all Danny Jacobs has to do, keep him in the middle of the ring, keep him turning, and keep a nice stiff jab, a few feints. A lot of fighters, they don't faint anymore. Right, you know, right. It's like right. an old-time situation. you got to faint these guys out of position. And if Danny could be able to do that, he'd win the fight easy. You know, he'd win it easy. That's all it is. Tie him up, take him for a walk, mm-hmm. you know, and keep the fight in the middle of the ring. Now, if you're predicting, Danny, you're predicting a decision, or do you think you could stop Triple G? You know, I wouldn't go for the stoppage. I would just go for the points. Because if you're looking for the stoppage, you'll never come. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. never look. I, you know, like I said, I knocked out 40 guys. I never looked for the stoppage. Right, you know, nobody right. knows that Triple G can take a body shot. Nobody ever hit him to the body. They were so mesmerized what the media said about his power. Listen, if you can punch, you know, he's not vulnerable. I mean, you go sit down, go to the body with him, see if he can take a body shot. All right. Good stuff there. All right, so we'll definitely keep track. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely speak with you after the fight, see uh, what you think. Uh, great talking to you, as always. Eddie, uh, before we before we let you go, give us some uh, you know final words with, with what you have uh, going on for you. I know you're always busy, so uh, now now's the time for some of your closing remarks. Uh, as always, a treat for me to speak to you, one of my favorites, and I'm going to be writing an article soon enough about how you should be in the International Boxing Hall of Fame, so look out for that one. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I, I'm a fan first. You know, you probably see me at any fight, even, you know, a, 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 not, a car that's not on TV. I love the fight game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how I make my living through the fight game, becoming a world champion and making world champions. You know, I've made so many world champions, I even forgot how many I made. But it's the idea <laughs> that I like doing that. You know, right, I have a right. great time doing that. I'm happily retired. But then again, I'm not retired because I throw myself into that ring with my athletes. I want to say one thing yeah. to, to Steve. To Steve. Steve. I'm going to open up your mic, Steve. Go ahead. Okay, Steve. Steve, yeah. I, I saw your wife throw that right hand when you was holding her pants for her. Ah. Right away. <laughs> right away, I, I sent you a, a text that I could yeah. get her a fight, a main event fight in Madison Square Garden. I still got that contract. 
<laughs> I'm gonna tell you, man. She uh, she a warrior, man. She rumbles. She's so sweet. Everybody thinks she's so sweet and thinks she's a pushover. I'm like, man, I'm telling you, she'll knock your teeth out. <laughs> I saw that right hand, man. I said, oh man, I gotta get a get a contract on her, man. <laughs> right, man, right. It's her calling, man. Her second calling, I guess. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good luck to you guys, man. Appreciate it, man. All righty. Thank you, Eddie. Eddie, any other comments before we let you go? No, you guys can take it. All right. Thank you. And, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll speak uh, once the fight is over. It should be a great night of boxing. Uh, Jeff Bumpus, you're up next with your prediction. Uh, I think you're going to see a different side of uh, uh Triple G this time. I think he's going to have great respect for for uh, Danny's power. I, I I think he's going to be much tighter on his defense. I think his movement's going to be uh, greater, and uh, he's going to show more than he has. He hasn't had uh, opponents whose power he had to respect. I guess you could say. And one thing I learned. Uh, and, and it's an ugly thing to learn or, or ugly thing to realize when you're in there is that uh, some guys get hard enough that, or, and, and have a good enough chin that they just want to give you enough hope to stay within swinging range uh, or connecting range, I should say. Um, there, uh, It is impossible to knock somebody out who will not engage. Okay? that That is something that Triple G knows. He's not going to have... He's not going to have to look around at all. He's going to be, Jacobs is going to be right there for him. He's not going to have mm-hmm. to chase him. He's not going to have to look for him. So what? What is? Uh, you'll, you'll see is tighter defense because this is a, an opponent he has to respect their power and uh, uh, better leg move, better foot movement, better. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't even. I haven't even seen whether he can flip shots. To be honest with you, I. I. I, I don't until he, until you see it. You can't say he, that he knows how to do it, but if it is in his repertory, he'll be slipping them more, and especially on the inside with those those hooks that uh, uh, that Danny shows. Danny really puts everything into that right hand, and I think that uh, Abel Sanchez working with in Triple G's corner sees this, knows this. Uh, he's going to be looking for uh, left hook counters from that off that right hand. Um, if nothing else, it will sweep – a left hook will sweep uh, Jacobs back into uh, Golovkin's right hand. I, there, there's all kinds of reasons to say you could, th- you know, throw it. But I, I'm, I'm not dismissing Danny Jacobs at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all if both of them end up on the floor before this is over. I'm really excited about this one. But uh, I, I think that uh, uh, Triple G's chin is what's going to end up being the difference in this fight. All right, Jeff, so your official prediction is? Uh, triple G by stoppage. Uh, it'll be it'll be after six, I'm sure. All right, late uh, late to middle round stoppage for uh, Golovkin. Steve Cunningham, uh, what say you? So, uh, I mean, uh, like I said earlier, you know, I, I you can't go against the miracle, man. Uh, it's, this is a very hard one. This is a very hard one to choose because, uh, I mean, Triple G is Triple G. You know, uh, Olympic gold medalist, um, you know, he's a knockout master. You know, he'll beat you down. But I believe mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Triple I mean, I'm going to go with uh, Danny Jacobs because 
I believe Jacobs has all the tools to nullify Triple G's power. I mean, really, and I'm not. I don't want to, you know, uh, diminish Triple G or, you know, uh, you know, talk down on him. But in actuality, his real as only asset is the bludgeoning power. So if 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 you don't allow him to lay hands on you when he wants and make him uncomfortable, and Danny Jacobs has immaculate power himself, sharp, powerful power and touch him here and there, use those legs and his reach, his distance, I think I'm going to go with uh, Danny Jacobs' uh, split decision win. I'm not, you know, because Triple G will be there. He will make contact. It will be exciting. But I believe Danny Jacobs and his, his ability, his boxing ability and power. I think Danny Jacobs is going to be the, the boxer puncher, the best. He needs to be the best boxer puncher in order to win this fight, and I think they're going to do that. All righty, interesting prediction uh, on 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 all accounts. Vastly uh, different in uh, many aspects. Uh, Steve, uh, before we let you go, give us some uh, closing remarks. What what are you doing for yourself? What do you want the fans to know? And uh, thank you again. It's always a pleasure having you on. We'll speak again after the fights as well. But now's time for some closing remarks. Steve Cunningham. Uh, I'm, I'm fighting on this uh, Mansoor Kaufman card Friday. Um, I'm here in Reading right now, just in my room, actually. Relaxing and drawing, um, finishing up some pictures for the USS Comics. You know, I've got a comic book coming out I'm working on. And uh, you guys can hashtag USS Comics on Instagram or Facebook. But, uh, you know, just getting, you know, getting back in there this time. Um, it's not a big fight for me. It's just to get me back in there fight. I lost my last fight with Glavosky. You know, it was a good fight. I, You know, I thought I had him. He knocked me down a few, you know, three times, I believe. And, uh, you know, that sealed the deal for him. So I'm I'm just on the climb back to another title shot. Hopefully by the end of this year, I will be three-time world champion. That's the goal. And um, I, feel, I know I can do it, and we're just going to push hard, and then we're going to get this third title. All right. Thank you. And uh, always a pleasure. And uh, we'll have you on again soon uh, as a guest where we talk more about yourself after the fight and uh, looking forward to the, that fight. A uh, big, big fight that's on Bounce TV, correct? Yeah, so on bounce it'll be on bounce TV, and they're going to show, they're going to highlight the fight, um, you know, and I'm going to come out and commentate um, after, you know, for the main event because, you know, I I worked with Travis, you know, and I right, worked right. with Ansor, so uh, I'm going to be on, a, I'm going to join the commentary team also for the main event. All right, good stuff there. Thank you again, Steve Cunningham, and you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for coming on during this busy time. All uh, right. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, I, I forgot to ask you uh, for some closing remarks. Sorry about that, but uh, now's the time. And uh, as soon as we get done with this, we're going to have uh, Ahmed Albiali on. So uh, if you guys want to stick around for the interview, uh, you're always welcome. But uh, Jeff Bumpus, uh, fi- final remarks from you? Uh, as far as what I've got going right now, I, 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 go to, I go to work tomorrow morning at 4 o'clock, and I, am, I, am, I can't wait to get through Thursday and Friday so that we can have this fight and, uh-huh. and uh, uh we could we could see I, i'm really looking forward to this because it, it could it could really be big it could be one of the most memorable middleweight fights ever and and it has that kind of potential i can't wait to get to it all righty thank you sir and we'll definitely talk as well 
before fight night, probably, and then certainly after the fights. Thank you for your time. And, and remember, uh, Becoming Taz, writing from the Southpaw Stance, written by Jeff Bumpus, one of the best uh, boxing books I've ever read. You can pick it up on Amazon.com. Uh, and uh, thank you again for your time, Mr. Bumpus. No problem. All righty. All righty, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break and hopefully have Ahmed Abi Ali on right after this. boxing talk a little bit later on we'll have joshua greer jr on but right now we have a professional fighter uh fighting in the light heavyweight division his a professional record is 15 and 0 with 12 knockouts he was just in action last night first round tko over jackson jr uh, important fight for him coming off a long layoff coming off of a, a serious injury uh didn't get much work in and we'll definitely talk about that but did get the big knockout victory Ahmed Abi Ali, uh, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am doing excellent. And before we get into the uh, fight last night, talk a little bit about the injury that put you out for 14 months, the recovery process, and what was it like? I mean, were you ever worried that the, it would even be a longer layoff? Talk a little bit about the dynamic of that. Well, um, it happened in uh, January 13th of 2016. Uh, my in the fight before this last fight, I broke my uh, my second metacarpal. And then uh, four months later, after I got cleared, I was in, I was sparring to get ready for another fight. It was actually the um, Danny Garcia fight in Barclays in June 25th. I forgot against who, um, but then I broke it again in, in the Mayweather gym. Then next day. Fly back to Miami, got surgery. Three weeks later, it turns out that I was allergic to the titanium plate that they put in my hand. So the next day, I ended up getting a steel rod. And long story short, got cleared in December. And here I am today, March 15th, the day after my first fight back. All righty. And talk a little bit about uh, that fight going in, your preparation, uh, how you dealt with all of that time off. And then, uh, you know, you get right back in uh, to it last night. Talk a little bit about what you uh, knew about your opponent going in and how you prepared. Uh, did you do anything differently uh, based on coming back from an injury in training? Yeah, one thing the injury taught me is to strengthen my body as much as I can possibly, as much as I possibly can. Um, if you want a, a long career, especially in boxing, you need to strengthen your hands, your arms, your whole body, and, and just be ready for, for anything. That way you don't even get injured. Um, as far as Jackson Jr., I, I have, I, I sparred him about five years ago when he was, at the time, I think he was like 21-0, 20 knockouts. 
uh, and zero losses. So I was I was very familiar with him. Um, and he was he was a bully back then. He was a much better fighter back then. But I knew I knew how he was coming in, and I already knew what he was going to do. He's a he's a hooker, and I was just going to dip, duck, dodge, and dip and dodge, and and hit him while I can. And that's what happened. Now, the first round TKO, and uh, I have to be honest, when I first saw it in line, it didn't even look like the punch landed. It was just a bad angle, and, uh, you know, I wasn't crying uh, foul play, but I was curious as to why he went down so quickly. But then when they showed it on uh, the slow motions, it was a nice overhand right right on the uh, temple, left side of the face, and he went down and he, he, he was out. The, the equilibrium was gone, uh, everything. When you landed that punch, did you, did you think it was going to be a money punch for you? Oh, yeah. My my uh, middle knuckles, is, it looks like a golf ball right now. It's super swollen. It's not it's not injured or anything. It's, it happens to me a lot when I hit someone on the on the top of the head, but it's pretty uh, – It's pretty lit up right now, and I felt it right away. Once I once I saw him go down, I'm like, oh, he ain't gonna get back up. And when I saw him get back up and wobble, I'm like, yeah, I, I, you just know when you hit someone in the right spot. Right, right. Yeah, it just was a, a like I said a bad angle, but it was clearly right on uh, uh, the temple. Now you have great power, and, and you certainly have the, the knockouts to prove that. Uh, but is that uh, something like that? Is, is that the kind of uh, area that you aim for? Because it wasn't an on the chin shot, but uh, sometimes those shots, the temple, as we saw last night, uh, doesn't look like it lands so hardly. But uh, you know, obviously, it did. I mean, is that the kind of shot that you, that you go for uh, more or less when when you're trying to go over the top? I mean, honestly, uh, my coach doesn't like when I try to hit people on the head. But in in training, I train with very very different types of heavy bags. I go from very soft heavy bags, accurate heavy heavy bags, and then I go to hard hard very hard tires. So I just try to strengthen my hands for any type of incident, whether it's to the body, to a chin, or to the top of the head. Um, if it works and it can get me out of there quickly and get me out of there with my hands raised, then, you know, I'm going to go for it. That's what, that's what boxing and competing is all about. It's just winning. So whatever way I can win, I'm going to take it and win. Now, obviously you're going to take it right. First round stoppage, uh, you know, showing your power and all that, but was there any kind of uh, disappointment that you didn't get to go around that you didn't get to test the injury? Uh, were you hoping for a, a longer fight? I mean, it might sound like an odd question, but sometimes guys want to get the rounds in that didn't happen after a 14 month layoff. Uh, are you disappointed in that at all? Of course, of course, somewhat and somewhat not, you know, like we are fighters. We, we work our butts off and when we get in there, we, the quicker it is, the nicer it is for us. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, uh, I wish I would have went, you know, a couple more rounds just to get some more rust off. But I feel, I felt like I had, I did what I had to do. I do, I do feel like I got the rust off of me. It was just, it's not necessarily being in the ring because, you know, we spar eight, 10 rounds. So I'm always in the ring. It's more about the process of getting in the ring. The, you know, the way in, uh, the day of the fight, how you're feeling coming up to the fight and how you're feeling when you're approaching the ring and while you're in the ring. So I think that's the main thing. Other than that, once you're in the ring as a fighter, that's your, you know, that's your sanctuary. That's, that's your temple. That's where you should feel 
right, and you did not have that sanctuary for a long time, 14 months. Uh, what, what did you do to keep yourself busy, both physically and mentally? Um, I just tried to surround myself with positive people, uh, family, and uh, good friends, and and uh, actually a good friend, my girlfriend, and and her family and my family, and that was uh, that's it. You know, they just talked me through it day by day, and um, always reminded me how talented I am, and that I just got to keep on trying. And other than that, it was just running and talking to myself while I run. All righty, good stuff there. And what's such a quick uh, victory? Uh, I would imagine uh, as soon as your hand uh, gets healed, uh, you can uh, maybe fight uh, a little quicker than you normally planned, or is there a set timetable for you to get back in the ring again? Um, we're we're going to go for the next two to three months, and, and we'll go from there. As soon as I know something, you're, you're a good friend, and I'll be sure to let you know. All right, thank you for that. And uh, do you have right now any possible uh, opponents? Is there an opponent pool for you? Do you have a, a preference at all uh, in terms of uh, you know who that might be for the next couple of months? Um, no, there's no preference. You know, whoever whoever is going to get me better, that's that's my preference. If they're going to if they're going to make me a better fighter, then I'd love to fight them. Now, at this stage of your career and the matchmaking. Do you have a say at all? Do you get uh, asked, well, who, who do you want to fight? Or, or is the opponent just put in front of you and say, this is who we have at this time? Is it, how does it work for you? Uh, yeah, my managers are the best in the business, and they guide me in the right career, and I just leave it up to them. If they want me to fight Kovalev or Adonis Stevenson tomorrow, then I feel like I should fight Kovalev or Adonis Stevenson. If they want me to fight Junior Jackson again, I'll fight Junior Jackson. It doesn't matter who they put in front of me. That's who I'll fight. Good answer. Good answer. And uh, it kind of leads to the, the next question I had for you is the, the light heavyweight division. A lot of excitement at the top. Uh, your overall assessment of what's going on now, obviously everybody's still wondering what's going on with the Kovalev Ward rematch. You already mentioned Stevenson, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, obviously is uh, making waves there as well. Uh, Fonfara got back on the, the winning track as well. Uh, what's your assessment? What do you think at this point in, in time uh, you fit in with all that talent at the top? Um, I'm, you know, realistically, I'm just right there. I'm, say, if it's a, if it's a ten-step ladder, I'm at, I'm at step number four or five, you know, and then I just got to beat six, seven, eight, and I'll be at nine and ten. And and that's that's how it is. Boxing is just like that. It's you know step by step, day by day, fight by fight, and that's how I'm gonna take it. Um, whoever whoever they put in front of me, that's my next step, and that's all I got to do. All righty, good answer there. And uh, Ahmed, this is uh, Triple G versus uh, Jacobs uh, pre-fight show. We already had our panel on of guests talking about the fight. Uh, do you care to weigh in on uh, a, a prediction for the fight? What you're expecting Saturday night from these two great middleweights? Yeah, that's a it's a it's a good that's a good fight for boxing. Um, very good fight. Uh, you know, I I love Triple G, and I think he's a I think he is too good to be true. That's I think he's just I honestly think he's unbeatable. But then it's nice to, it's nice to see unbeatables lose. You know, that's that's what. That's what's in nowadays. Everyone nowadays doesn't want to lose a fight. Everyone keeps want to wants to keep their row, 
it'd be nice to see if Danny Jacobs could give him his first loss and, you know, and, and if Triple G could bounce back. But I, it's hard, you know. It's a, it's a tough one for Daniel Jacobs, even though he's a, he's a great fighter, great boxer, great power. Oh, it's just I got to go with Triple G. As much as I want Dan, Daniel Jacobs to do something good for himself, it's, it's a tough one for him. But you know what? You never, boxing is a man's sport. You never count a man out. Yeah, a good, a good one there too. And uh, but I, I, as we close, you can give some uh, closing remarks. We're going to get to Joshua Greer Jr. next, but uh, I'm in Albi Ali victorious last night over Junior Jackson, first round TKO, first fight back after a 14 month layoff due to an injury. Everything looks all well and good, and uh, we can't wait to see you again in action, my friend. Uh, now's the time for some closing remarks. Thank you, thank you, Anthony. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have any uh, social media or anything out there you want to plug? Anybody, anything uh, out, there, out there for the fans to know to follow you? Uh, if you guys, yeah, uh, you guys can follow me. Hit me up at Ahmed Obiali. It's just like that, A-H-M-E-D. And the last name is E-L-B-I-A-L-I. I'm a pretty friendly guy, and you could always shoot me a message, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll talk, we'll conversate. All right, good. Looking look forward to I'll give you a shout-out while the fights are going on or after the fights to give you a take on it. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. Thank you again, and uh, looking forward to seeing you back in the ring sooner rather than later. All right, thank you, Mr. Anthony. Talk to you soon. Uh, all right, thank you. Thank you. And uh, he's a guy... Uh, that uh, has been on the rise getting all of these knockouts and uh, uh, certainly uh, PBC has a good one in, in him and uh, we'll definitely uh, see more from him in the future. Light heavyweight division is top heavy and I think his heavy hands fit in well with that division. Uh, quick break and when we come back, hopefully Joshua Greer Jr. right after this. No Cam, tell us at what point the fight is ended. But anyway, it is another knockout for Marvin Hagler. He scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights. He's won 44, lost two with one draw. And it is... Here's the announcement. Unable to continue the winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round... Because the sixth round has other. Hagler making a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone, and he's making. All righty, moving right along here. Welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk. Special thanks to Ahmed Albiali, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, Steve Cunningham, Jeff Bumpus. And John Responte for making it a fast-paced, moving show so far. Our last guest of the evening, uh, victorious on uh, Showbox in uh, Michigan last week, Joshua Greer, professional record of 12-1-1 with uh, five KOs. Uh, He was involved in the clear fight of the night. Some uh, considered it to be an upset victory, KO, all-action fight, James Smith. And uh, he ventures in first time on Zoot's Boxing Talk. Hopefully not the last. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, how you doing? Thank you, Pav. Oh, thank you for giving us uh, some of your time. And it was a wonderful action fight. 
especially with the fights that followed, not so much. You really warmed up the crowd there. Uh, it was a crowd hopping, ready to see Clarissa Shields, and you and James Smith delivered with a big action fight. Was that the kind of fight, the toe-to-toe action that you were expecting going in? Yes, I was expecting when I, uh, even before I got here, the type of fighter he was, when I uh, watched a couple of videos on him, he's a come forward fighter or a pressure fighter, and so am I in some cases, but I could switch it up and also be a boxer. But I knew the type of animosity that we had towards each other that we built when we got here, that it was going to be fireworks from round one. All right, yeah, now I wanted to ask you about that. The the television uh, advertised as much animosity be- between you two. And oftentimes, Joshua, we, we wonder if that's just uh, made up to, to hype up the fight a little bit more. It seems like it was genuine. So talk a little bit about it and how the animosity started. What, what was the origin of it? Okay, well, um, me, I know I told, uh, I got an interview by uh, Fight News before I got here before I got to Detroit, and uh, I told them that I was coming for the knockout because I couldn't let the fight go to the scorecards because, I mean, we're in his backyard, his hometown, and we all know how that can be. So uh, once I got – I guess he was mad about that when we got to the press conference. I didn't speak at the press conference. I said, you know, I'm coming to uh, – I'm I'm ready. I had a good training camp. I'm coming to fight. I'm going to let my hands do the talking. And he came out. He's like – He's like, oh, I'm knocking you out, and uh, I'm going to hurt you. I'm throwing bombs from round one, and you don't have the power to last for me and all this and that. I'm like, okay, we'll see. And from the way in, that's when I brought the pillow, and he was real pissed about the pillow. So he like, you know what, I'm stopping you, and we're going to see and all this. And he was, he was real heated, and, you know, I was just laughing at him, making him even more mad. And uh, so I, know, I knew once they got to the fight, it was going to be, I mean, a lot of animosity. All righty, and, and in between the fight, or in between rounds, or right before the fight, I don't remember exactly, they had an interview with Smith, and he, he talked about uh, how you disparage your punching power, basically said you can't punch your way out of a paper bag. Now, that is yeah. obviously an erroneous that's obviously an erroneous statement, but uh, you do not have a great knockout percentage. It was your fifth uh, knockout in 12 wins. So uh, where did this ra- sudden rash of power come from, or, or was it the fact that you had just been facing tougher opposition that you couldn't stop? I've been, I, I have been uh, facing tough opposition. Like, I fought way tougher guys than Smith, which um, I was trying to, you know, uh, tell him and uh, – and some guys, I knocked down a lot of guys also, but they just, you know, they, they, they wouldn't give up. And and with that, with, with, with the big victory and the knockout, at the end of the fight, do you guys uh, reconcile? Is the animosity gone? Does he give you your due? Oh, yeah. uh, the animosity is gone. The animosity is gone. I came up to him. After uh, I came to his corner, you know, and I talked to him, I said, you know, you're a strong guy, good fight, keep your head up. And also, um, he messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, he, uh, he gave me my respect and, you know what I mean? And uh, we went on from that because at the end of the day, we're just fighters. You know, we're coming in, you know, to do what we're supposed to do, you know, and at the end of the day, we don't really have any real animosity against each other because before we knew we were fighting each other, we didn't even know each other. So as boxers, right, right. we're coming in to put on a crowd pleaser show, and, you know, give the fans what they came to look for, and that's it. Now, uh, with the, with that fight, you, you already mentioned the, the need to go for the knockout, fighting in his backyard. 
uh, approaching the fight, uh, you know, obvious obvious B-side fight, a guy who was supposed to make the other guy look good. Uh, going into the fight, what kind of treatment were you given? Were you given the, the classic oh, B-side yes, I was, treatment? I was given the, yes, I was given the opponent treatment. When I got there, they didn't even want to give me per diem for uh, me and my uh, staff and my team. Um, when they had us, uh, we, I forced you to be, but that's not my first time being on the B-side. I've been on the B-side plenty of times in my career because I fought tougher opposition. So, in that case, I already, you know, I, I was used to it. I know how when I get in that locker room with the other loose, you know, with the guys that's losing and the guys that come there just for a check, I know how to spoon that out and, you know, and focus on what I have to focus on because I know in my heart and my head who I am and I'm not a B-side fighter. Right. Well, talk about what happens after. You, you get the big upset. Not only do you, you get the upset, you upset the guy in his house. You know, he, you know the house guy loses, but that, that was his hometown as well. Uh, what was the treatment like after the fight? Uh, what kind oh, of reception man. were you given? I, I, I got a lot of love from uh, some Detroit people, uh, you know, showed me love. And then some didn't like the pillow idea, and they were very pissed about it, you know. But, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, everybody was just like, oh, you know, you, uh, you're really good at for boxing. You know, I got love from Clarissa Shields. You know, she said that um, that uh, I made her a believer that night. And uh, from uh, other guys, like on Twitter, uh, Jamal and Karen and the other, you know, good boxers and stuff like that. I got my respect that night. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your your record. You, you have a back-to-back where you're on the wrong side of a one Tough decision, and then you have a draw. Majority draw uh, against Mario Ayala in 2015, and uh, uh, majority decision loss uh, against uh, Stephen Fulton, uh, who was 7-0 and going into that uh, fight. Talk a little bit about that. Were, were those uh, scorecards justified, or was that, uh, 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 in your opinion, uh, not in keeping to what the fight was? No, uh, especially. The Fulton definitely wasn't in keeping in what the fight was. Uh, I fought Fulton in Philadelphia. Uh, he, of course, he's an Al Hammond fighter. I fought him on PPC, but it was not televised, and which they told us it was supposed to be televised. But when I got there, it was supposed to be a six-round fight. It turned into a four because of TV, and then the ref called it a slip. And uh, I feel like, you know I mean? I feel like I won that fight with Fulton, and they still gave it to him on a, a scorecard because he's an Al Hammond fighter. That's how I felt. And the, the draw with uh, Mario, uh, actually, I came into that fight. I was, uh, I got very sick. It was in Arizona, which is his hometown, also. And um, I mean, he's a tough guy, but if I was ever fight him again, I mean, I'll stop him in the early rounds. Now, one of the other things you had uh, on Smith was a slight advantage in height. Uh, you're listed at, at five four. Uh, is that something that you typically don't enjoy having the height advantage on your opponent? Is it do you normally face fighters who are taller than you? Yes, but you know why? Because I fought at once. I fought at uh, at super bantamweight uh, always. You know, and uh, even for this fight, I worked very hard and I got down to you know bantamweight, which I'm going to stick with. I am uh, officially now. I'm a bantamweight. I'm a uh, Stand at 118 until you know further notice, but you know, I was taking those fights, you know, at 122. And those guys were, you know, really bigger than me and stuff. They were bigger, wider physically, and everything. And, um, yeah, they, they were, it was bigger opposition. So I never right, you know, yeah. was used to going, to going against somebody that was actually smaller than me. 
All righty, and, and, and uh, with, with that, the, the consensus could be the more more knockouts will come with that. Uh, oh, so that could be another. Yeah, at Bantamweight, I can't see nobody uh, going toe-to-toe with me or standing there for the um, scheduled rounds as it's supposed to go. Yeah, the Bantamweight division to me has always been a fascinating division. It's a lot of great all-time greats and fights in that division. Give us a little bit of, of an evaluation of the Bantamweight division circa 2017, and where do you think Joshua Greer Jr. fits into that uh, Bantamweight division at, at current times? The Bantamweight division to me right now, um, I'm going to be honest, it's not, it's, uh, it's not very exciting because and they don't get a lot of attention as of now because everybody wants to see the knockouts. So they go to they go to the bigger weights and stuff like that because they want to see the impressive knockouts. And I think that's why I'm going to wake up the bantamweight division because that's, I mean, I have the power to do it, and that's the type of um, outlook that I want, you know, for the bantamweight division and bring a lot of noise to it from the knockouts. And uh, I could definitely see me at the top and a world champion in the bantamweight division. Now, what kind of a, a boxing fan are you? I mean, currently, obviously, you follow the sport. You're in it. Uh, are, are you somebody that has a good knowledge of history of boxing? Do you watch a lot of old fights? And if so, who are some of your favorites? Yes, I do watch old fights. Uh, my favorites uh, are um, the all-time great, like um, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, uh, Pernell Whitaker, um all those guys, those those are my favorites right there, and of course Tommy Hearns also, and Roberto Duran too. That's my guy. Now uh, they explained it a little bit on the uh, telecast where you got your nickname from. Don't blink, but uh, I want you to tell the story because I think it's a pretty uh, okay. cool way to get a nickname. I fought the uh, I fought an opponent, uh, a veteran opponent, and Antoine Robertson, and uh, he was another one that said he was gonna uh, he was coming to knock me out and stuff like that. I fought him in Hammond, Indiana. And once I fought him, uh, I, it, was, it was the first three punches that I threw, but they were body shots, and uh, it stopped him. And this was a, it was like in, within, like, seconds, and it took the ref another 10 seconds to count him out. So it's like the official stop, which is like 24 seconds. And uh, everybody was like, man, I couldn't even, you know, you couldn't even blink or you would have missed the fight. And then from that point on, everybody was like, man, don't blink. Every time I fought, they was like, don't blink. So I just made it my name. All right, great, great, great stuff. Yeah, I loved hearing that. That's good. And I, I you know, I, I like many people love the knockouts, the stoppages. I mean, uh, leave those judges uh, out of it as much as you can. But sometimes you do need them, and they did you dirty already in the past. So, uh, exactly. so there's that. Uh, so, uh, what's next, uh, Joshua Grid Jr.? Uh, what's the timetable for getting back into the ring, and, uh, and who could be the possible opponents? Um, as of now, we don't know, you know, we, I'm getting back with my, um, we have a few deals on the table, you know, with my manager and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm going to go back and talk to my team. I'm back in the gym already. So it's going to be soon. I mean, I don't know who, you know, whatever they throw at me, I'm willing to take on and, um, get back to my management team and see what they have for me. And, you know, we're going to go from there. Alrighty, so you enjoyed uh, the clear fight of the night on television anyway. I don't know what the fights were uh, on the undercards, but that was a great action fight. Big upset victory. Uh, you're you're riding high. So uh, do you get back into the gym right away? Do you do a little celebrating? You're a young been, guy. Uh, how do you handle uh, all of this newfound fame? I've been back in the gym since Monday. And uh, the thing is, I mean, I handle the fame well. Yes, I like the attention and all the fame and all the coverage that it's getting from the different medias and everything. 
But the thing is, uh, I mean, I'm not satisfied. I haven't done anything. I mean, I might have done something, you know, big to some people, but to myself, I'm not, you know, satisfied. And I, ke- I want to keep doing it again and again and again, and I want to be great over and over and uh, become a world champion. That's the big goal. All righty. Thank you so much, Joshua Greer Jr. And since this is a Triple G versus Daniel Jacobs uh, uh, pre-fight uh, special, uh, do you care to, to weigh in on our fight? Do you have a prediction? Oh, I have a, I, I have a prediction. I think it's going to be a knockout. And uh, I got to go with my man, uh, Dan, uh, Daniel Jacobs, just because, you know, he's been doing everything in a miracle, man. I got to go with Danny. But I know it's going to end in a knockout. All righty. And, uh, now is the time for some uh, closing remarks. Uh, anything you want to plug out there, social media, anything you want the fans to know about you, and end it with telling us where you see Joshua Greer Jr. Uh, let's say a year from now. Give us uh, where would you like to be a year from now? So start with your your plug, social media, final remarks, and where Joshua Greer Jr. will be in one year from now. Okay, and uh, also you can follow me on all social media, Joshua Greer Jr. Twitter. Joshua Grid Jr. Instagram and Facebook, Joshua Grid Jr. and also Snapchat. And uh, a year from now, uh, just keep tuning in. A year from now, I mean, I guarantee that uh, I'll be a top contender for a world title. And um, I'm going to keep, you know, giving the fans what they want to see and uh, big knock, more big knockouts on the way to come. Now, can you explain to me what Snapchat is? I, I, I use the Instagram, I, I, Twitter, on Facebook. I use it more frequently. I, I can't. Uh, to me, this Snapchat is just about sending people provocative pictures. I mean, how how do you use Snapchat? <laughs> well, how does, well, what, what is all? What is it all about? Explain that to me. Snapchat is basically like capture. Is like capturing the mo- like different moments of uh, like events that you're doing, like. You know, like like let's say like people people were at my fight. You know, they could have you know recorded like a like a quick ten second, ten fifteen second video of what's going on just to show their friends and other people you know what they're doing and you know capturing the moment. All right, good, good. I, I want to get Snapchat, but I'm afraid my my wife might think I'm up to something uh, um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be because <laughs> I, I I heard other things about it. But then, then thank you for clearing yeah. that up. So I'll, I'll play no this problem. for her. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Joshua Greer Jr. Uh, hopefully, it's the first of many interviews here on Zoot's Boxing Talk. Can't wait to see you back in the ring. Uh, enjoy the fights and uh, your training. In the meantime, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. All righty, good stuff there. So uh, we'll take a quick break. I'll close it out. I'll give my take on the Triple uh, G uh, versus Jacobs fight uh, right after this. To have been well-conditioned fighter. Maselli, a professional for two years, has a devastating left hook. Fulmer batters Maselli to the canvas here in round one. Maselli takes the mandatory count. Now it's Fulmer trying to finish it quickly. Maselli, a very tired boy. Fulmer, a rough customer, has an unorthodox style that is difficult to defend against. Maselli goes down from a hard right to the body. Hangs on to Fulmer, attempting to regain his senses. And at the end of the round, walks wearily to his corner. Here in round two, 
Maselli tries to rally. Maselli defeated Fulmer's younger brother, Jay, in three rounds five months before this fight. This fight shows every sign of being a grudge match. Fulmer won't let up, carrying the fight to Maselli, but Maselli punches back furiously. Now Fulmer suddenly explodes a wicked right, and Maselli goes down. on the road back to the middleweight championship knocks out Joe Maselli and one year later Fulmer will regain the world title alrighty welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twists and if you're a fan of the show you can follow me on Twitter at Zoot29 that's capital Z lowercase U-T-E the number 2 the number 9 you can go to blogtalkradio.com and become a, a follower of the show. You could also subscribe to the show on iTunes, put Zoot's Boxing Talk in, in the search bar. You could get in, and then you can get all your downloads on all of your various Apple devices. Uh, go to uh, maxboxing.com, ringsidereport.com, and ringnews24.com for all your boxing fixes. And uh, with ringsidereport.com, I am also an MMA correspondent, and Zoot's MMA Talk will... Uh, be back on the air again next week, uh, Tuesday. So looking forward to that. More announcements on that uh, uh, a little bit later on. And if you want to email me comments on the show, zootsboxingtalk at yahoo.com. And uh, if you want to curl up with a good book, you got a couple of choices out there. First, uh, Coming Taz, writing from the Southpaw Stance by Jeff Bumpus and uh, Dennis Taylor and John Responte's Intimate Warfare, the true story of the uh, Toro Gotti versus Mickey Ward trilogy. So you got all your boxing fixes covered. So uh, we just heard a clip of uh, Gene Fulmer a little bit before that. We heard Marvelous Marvin Hagler and this team of uh, middleweight, uh, the big middleweight fight between Jacobs and uh, Triple G and uh, the middleweight uh, division, probably the most luxurious division, the most star makers, the best fights in boxing history. Uh, Obviously, the heavyweights, you have a lot to contend with there, but, you know, Think about all of the, the intriguing names over the years, the Harry Grebs. Uh, I mean, he's a guy, who, a fan, you know, who has, uh, you know, very little footage, if any footage. Nobody living, walking the earth now has seen him fight. But yet he has the mystique and the imagination and the obsession by a lot of boxing fans. And a lot of it has to do with the, all of the recognizable names and the, the many times he has fought. Uh, obviously, uh, we have uh, Gene Fulman, that great era of uh, middleweight fights. Carmen Basilio, obviously. Sugar Ray Robinson, considered by many the greatest fighter ever. Uh, then you got a whole heap of guys like your, your Monzones, your Emil Griffiths, your Nino Benvenuti's, uh, and even uh, in Hagler's uh, day, you had a lot of really good uh, uh, fighters, and then some that came after him. Tomorrow night, we're going to have another edition of Zoot's Boxing Talk, where we'll be speaking to one of those fighters, uh, Ronnie Essett, who emerged on the scene a little bit after Hagler retired, but the uh, classic uh, fighter story and great fighter and we'll, we'll look forward to talking to him and obviously all of the great middleweight fights so uh, where does this stack up I think that, as Jeff said and some of the other guys said this fight could be I mean uh, the one thing I have to say is that I can't see this fight being boring, being dull. Uh, a lot of the guys, uh, especially those on the, the Jacobs side, a lot more people are picking a decision than I thought possible. 
I think with both of these guys' power, it's very hard for this fight to go. If we still have a fight in the 10th round, I would be surprised. I mean, uh, I shouldn't be surprised because it's boxing and because it's two world-class athletes who are great at what they do. But uh, something tells me when you have two guys who the main thing they do great is to get the other guy out of there. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that this fight will go the distance, but if it does, I think it'll be uh, exciting. I don't think it'll be a, a fight that goes the distance that's in, in the ilk of Michael Nunn versus Iran Barkley, since we're talking about uh, you know middleweight fights. That was a two great fighters, but that was a middleweight stinker. Uh, so um, I, I certainly uh, go with that. And you know, I hate to make it to be as simplistic as this, but I think this fight all comes down to Danny Jacobs's chin. Uh, He's going to taste that power. I, I, I don't think anybody is good enough to be or, or slick enough to keep Golovkin off him. And, and we'll see. And obviously, people questioning Golovkin's chin because he got banged up a little bit by a, a welterweight in Cal Brook. Uh, and, he, you know, we've seen him take clean shots from other fighters and, and you know, not affect them. So it, it, interesting to see. I, I, I think Jacobs has a lot of skills. I think he's a much better fighter than he was when he got knocked out a few years ago. I, I think the survival of Cantor has made him into a, a different person, to somebody who could overcome a lot more as well. I just, you know, he just he's never faced anybody that can bludgeon him the way Triple G might. So we'll definitely see. And uh, Triple G, one, one of the things that uh, I find interesting with him is, uh, you know, when he did fight David Lemieux, and you got the idea of what David Lemieux's power was like when he knocked out uh, Curtis, Curtis Stevens on uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, if you watch that fight, he did give... Lemieux respect. He fought, I, I think, a really uh, smart fight. He fought off the jab. He wasn't going to walk in there and take shots. He respected David Lemieux's power, and you have to respect David Lemieux's power, and he put on a clinic. Uh, I think David Lemieux is similar to Jacobs, uh, but he doesn't have that uh, that right hand that just comes out of nowhere that could take you out. And uh, Triple G uh, could get hit with that right hand and we could have a very interesting night. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, when I first looked at this, I thought, oh, Triple G is going to get uh, within four or five rounds. Triple G's uh, this is it. That's what was my original thought. But then looking at uh, the way he took out Quillen and how he has improved so much, I got to give Danny Jacobs a, a good shot, but if uh, Sergio Moore is going to drop him, uh, what can a triple G do to him? That's the other side of the coin. So uh, I, I really don't know. I, I am like uh, a lot of other people where, uh, you know, Jacobs winning would be the greatest story, but what's not a great story about triple G continuing on to his unbelievable knockout streak, knocking out a world-class guy where all of the haters are going to be forced to either expose themselves or actually give Triple G credit. So that's a great story as well. I don't think we could lose on Saturday night. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm going to shy away from an official prediction here. Uh, I think both fighters have uh, things on their side where they could win. I think Triple G's boxing skills and ability to cut off the ring and the ability to work off of a jab uh, is not always seen and often forgotten by a lot of boxing people. And I think Daniel Jacobs is a guy who could take a lot more than what he could uh, years ago. But uh, again, if that chin is tested, what will happen? I mean, yeah, we haven't really, I mean, it was kind of like a flash down from, uh, from Maura. He wasn't really hurt. 
but uh, you know, it, it was there. It was there. And Morrow is not a guy with a triple G power. So uh, I hate to use this phrase, but gun to my head, I, I go with a triple G with a about about an eight round TKO. Uh, if Jacobs is going to win, I think he is going to establish early that he is the boss. He's going to put something on Golovkin. He's going to hurt him, and he's going to be able, as uh, Eddie said, keep the uh, fight in the middle of the ring. Fights in the middle of the ring favors Jacobs. Can he get Golovkin to back up, and can Golovkin fight backing up? We know Jacobs can. I have seen him do it. Not so sure about Triple G, but can Jacobs back Golovkin up? Big if. If he can back him up and Triple G doesn't know how to fight backing up, it's going to be uh, a night for the Jan- Daniel Jacobs crowd. So, I don't know. Did you, did you learn anything from that? <laughs> I don't know, but that's as far as I'm going to go with uh, uh, talking about uh, who I think is going to win. So, uh, you know, people might give me a hard time for not really committing, but I said gun to my head, Triple G. Eight or nine round stoppage, TKO style. Uh, he's going to put the hurt on uh, Jacobs, uh, and uh, he's going to bust them up. Triple G busts guys up. If he wins, that's how it's going to go down. Uh, the, the, I, I think that we got about maybe a 10% chance of this fight going the distance. I give Golovkin a 60, 60% chance of winning. I give Jacobs a 40% chance of winning. So that gives you a little bit of better idea. So it's not a fight I would put money on, uh, especially in that arena with that crowd. Judges can get easily influenced. It should be a uh, high Jacobs crowd. Anything he does, fans are going to go ballistic. Although Golovkin has been a guy who's fought in the Garden, uh, fought in New York anyway. I mean, I went to see him at the Garden, uh, the arena, the, the theater rather, not the big arena where this fight's taking place, but the theater when he fought Gabe Rosado, and uh, he busted him up pretty good. And that was a fight where he was very sick. I had Abel Sanchez on talking about that fight, and there was, uh, you know, fever was involved, and it was really uh, urged by Golovkin's people to not go through with that fight based on his illness, but Golovkin wanted to. And that, that's the other side of it. Both of these guys are, are great for the sport, and they should be more household names than what they are. I mean, Golovkin never has a bad word to say about anybody. Uh, is always ready to fight. Does nothing but uh, fight guys to defend his belt, and he stomps those guys. Uh, Jacobs, uh, you know, how do you not love a Danny Jacobs story? I mean, uh, it's a guy that, you you know, after the Pirog fight knockout, you know, you, you never thought you would see him in the ring again. And nobody was calling a first an early knockout against Quillen. People might have been predicting Jacobs, but I think the uh, consensus favorite was Quillen. And that was a spectacular victory. I, didn't, I don't think that enough has been made about what a big victory that was for Jacobs. And that, prior to that, I thought he had no chance of beating Triple G. Uh, now I give him a 40% chance. So we'll see. It should be a great night of fights. Chocolatito uh, Gonzalez is also on the, the undercard, uh, and he's always great to watch. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely keep track of that tomorrow's show. We have Ronnie Essert scheduled uh, to appear, as well as Randy Gordon and Paul Gonzalez, and maybe a couple of more surprises. So we'll be on the air next, tomorrow night as well. So that's it for Zoot's Boxing Talk. Until then, ring the bell. And keep on punching. 
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.